week of our series called Hashtag Winning. And uh, we've been talking in this series about how to have the greatest life possible. How many of you have ever had a dream of being great in something, right? We've all had a dream of being great in something, right? It could be all kinds of different things. But what we've been talking about in this series is how to be great in our relationship with God, which we really believe is the greatest life that we could ever imagine here on earth. And so we've gone through God's word and we've found that there are these five marks, these five characteristics of a follower of Jesus that kind of just keep showing up verse after verse after verse. And they just seem to be a theme and, and characteristics that Jesus himself modeled and carried. And so that's what we have been talking about. In this series, we've been saying, this is not really a series for fans of Jesus. If you just want to play it safe and kind of hang out on the sidelines and then cheer people on, that's not, really, that's not really the life that Jesus has called us to. What he's called us to is to a life as followers. And as followers of Jesus, that means that we make sacrifices in our lives to live like Jesus did. And that is really the goal of a disciple or a follower of Jesus, a, a Christian, is that we become more and more like Jesus every single day. And so that's what we've been going through. And uh, just to be clear, we said this week one, and I just wanna, as we close out this series, say it again. I wanna be clear with this. This is not how you earn a relationship with God. This is not how you, you get in God's good books. This is not about being good enough. These aren't things that we do so that God will like us in response. This is simply a response. It's our response to the grace of God that has been shown in our lives. And because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us in our relationship with him, that we live out this way in response, in gratitude uh, to him. And so that's what we've been talking about. Now, as, as a church, as a big church, right? And I love being a part of a big church. There's big things that happen in a big church. And sometimes we can throw around big numbers and big things because that's just what happens. God moves in, in big ways. I wanna share four, four little stories of uh, some individuals and some families that I've run into over just the past few weeks that are living out um, these five marks that we've been talking about. The first one uh, was live obedient right? Live obediently. We said, where we started, I met a lady last week and uh, she got a Bible uh, after service. We gave her a, a Bible. She had one for free. And the passion, right, that I saw in her eyes, the joy that she had from that Bible. My, my bet is that she's already read the entire thing this week. Like she was that excited about it. And I've met so many of you that have said, I've been reading Donnie every single week and, and God's just speaking to me and I'm growing in my faith like never before. If there is out of all of these things, if you only choose to do one, get into God's word. It is the most powerful, most important of all of these. Um, so that was week one. Then week two, uh, Jason did a great job and he talked about connect intentionally. And I met a couple that said, Donnie, we've signed up to be small group leaders. We want to help other people. We're not just gonna be in a small group. We wanna lead a small group so we can help people connect intentionally with each other and so we can help them connect in their relationship with God. And I loved that, right? I love them stepping up into that role. Week three, we talked about serve selflessly, serve selflessly. And I met a family of five that said, we are, as an entire family, we signed up on the serve board. We signed up to serve in ministries and we are so excited to do that. And I'm so excited for this family, right? Because they're gonna get a chance to hold each other accountable. They're gonna get a chance to experience the joy that comes from using what God has given us to impact the lives of other people. And so what a great thing. And then last week, last week we talked about share willingly, that we share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. And we have uh, here at the Raleigh campus on Mondays, we have a food pantry. Uh, it's just new. It's been about a, maybe a month, maybe six weeks that this has been running. It's through our local hope ministry, a, a group of volunteers that come in and they serve amazing people in our community. And, and I just, I love what's happening through that. Well, this past Monday, 
One of our, some of our team uh, shared the gospel with a, a lady that was in and she gave her life to Christ. And, and so we are seeing God changing people's lives through this as well. This is what it means to live these things out. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And I, I love, I love our church. Right? I love our church and the way that we put these things into practice. And today we're gonna talk about the last one. We're gonna talk about give generously. Give generously to God who gave us everything. And when we, when we get to the root of it, I just wanna, right from the very beginning, I wanna start here. When we, the, the root of give generously, it's really a worship issue. It really is. When you boil it all down, it's a, it's a worship issue. If you remember back in week one, we talked about the difference between fans and followers. You see, a fan says, I'll give God what I'm comfortable with, right? I'll give God maybe whatever I have left over at the end once I've taken care of myself. That's kind of what fans do. But that's not how followers live. Followers say, I recognize that everything is God. And it is a privilege. It's an, it's an expression of my worship to be able to give to God, to give to others, right? This is a, it's a trust thing. It's, a, it's an honor thing. It's a, it's a way in which I get to serve God and, and meet the needs of other people. See, one of the ways in which we are called to worship and, and to give generously is through our money. And I get it, right? I know right now you're like, oh, this is that one topic, right? That nobody wants to talk about it. And I know, I know, right? You hear this, you're like, oh, we're gonna talk about money today. Yeah, church is always wanting our money. And when you hear this topic come up, it makes you feel kind of like this. I get it, right? You're like, might as well just kick me right in the face, right? I know what's coming. Here comes the guilt trip. This is gonna be terrible. I just want you to know, I don't wanna share it any more than you wanna hear it, right? I really don't. And it's just, I'm not super comfortable with it. It makes me feel kind of like this. It's, it's, it's a no win, right? No, it's just nobody's gonna win in this, in this whole deal. Here's the deal though. Here's the reality. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could be like this. Actually, I guess it will be worse, won't it? It, it, will be, it will be worse. And so let's just dive in and let's just talk about it. You see, Jesus talked about money. Jesus talked about money a lot. In fact, 15% of the things that Jesus talked about had to deal with money and possessions. Uh, I'm assuming some accountant read the Bible and came up with that stat, but, but 15%, that's actually more then Jesus talked about heaven and hell combined, right? And you would think, right, of all the things that Jesus would talk about, he probably talked about heaven and hell a lot. Well, he actually talked more about money than he did both of those things combined. And so if it's such a, a big deal for Jesus to talk about it, then I think it's one of those topics that we need to pay attention to and we need to take seriously. And here's the reason. The reason is this, is because money and, and possessions and, and stuff, what it has the tendency to do in our lives is it has the tendency to shift our focus from kingdom things to earthly things. It has the tendency to shift our focus from eternal perspectives to temporary perspectives. It has the tendency to shift our focus from people's needs to needing possessions. Right? And that's what happens in our lives if we're not careful. And there's a couple of common problems that, that happen when we don't view our money and, and our stuff in the right way. Right? When we take it for granted, when we get that temporary perspective, and it's these two words, greed and worry. Greed and worry. Greed is the desire for what we don't have. My neighbor's truck right? It's every single day I walk out in the driveway and I see this beautiful black truck parked there and I look at my not beautiful, not truck 
parked there, right? And that's what, what greed is. It's greed is, is, is wanting those things that we don't have. Laura and I go for walks in, in our neighborhood all the time. There's a, we love our house. We love our house. It's such a, such a great gift and, and blessing. But there's this blue house, right? That's just, uh, just down around the corner. And, and it's, it's just beautiful, right? It's, uh, that's what greed is, right? Greed is, is my, my neighbor two houses down. It's his lawn, which I'm not even sure is grass. I think it's just a green shag carpet that he has all there. It's just, it's just perfect, right? And I look at mine and I look at his and I'm like, I, I want his. I don't, I don't want mine, right? Greed is the desire for what we don't have. Hair, right? It's just any, any kind, any kind at all I, I'd be fine with, right? It's just, it's just, that's what greed is. Here's the second thing that happens when we don't have the right perspective on, on our money and our stuff. It's worry, worry, right? We all worry when it comes to money. We worry about, do I have enough, right? We worry, do I, have I saved enough? We worry, do I, do I have enough to retire on? Or can I, can I live the lifestyle that I want? Can I afford my kids? And if not, can I sell one? No, no, that's still illegal. You can't, you can't, you can't do that, right? It doesn't matter if you make 20,000 a year or you make 320,000 a year. We all worry, when it comes to this stuff. Can I, can I offer you an opinion? I talked with a friend on staff, Derek. He's, he wrote a book, so he must be very smart. And so um, we talked about this. And, and here's kind of what we boiled it down to. When you take away all the different layers of why we worry about money and stuff, and, and, and you can come back with some great arguments. Well, this is a legitimate reason why I need to worry about it. This is a, 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 real, a real issue in my life. This is something that I think we are charged to do. We're, we're gonna be held accountable. I get it. But I think when we boil it all down, this is why we worry about money and stuff. It's this, if I fully give myself over to God, including, including my finances, right? Including all of that, that God will want less for me than I want for myself, right? I, I think there's this underlying worry that if I give it all to God, what if God's level of, of what I need isn't as high as what my perception of what I need is. I don't know if you've ever had that fear before, that if I tell God that I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, right? God, I'll, I'll go wherever it is you want me to go, that, that we, we get terrified of that because we're, we're sure that God's going to send us to Africa or Haiti or Wisconsin or, or something like that, right? That, that's what the result will be. We're, we're, we're terrified. If I give God all of my money, he's going to make me drive a, a 2003 Nissan Pathfinder. And it's not that bad. I, I promise you, it's not that bad to have to do that. You see, we, we hear the church say give, but what we hear as individuals is give up, right? I, I think that's what happens a lot of times. We hear the church say give, right? So we can do incredible things and it's true. But what we hear is give up my dreams. We hear give up my, my lifestyle. Maybe we hear give up my future. And if we're honest, if we're honest, we just struggle. There's this trust thing of, does God really want for me what I want for me? And what if it's not the same? Let me ask you a couple questions. First is this, is, is it possible? Is it possible that God wants for you more than you even want for yourself? Is that a, is that a possibility? And let me ask you this question. Is it possible that God's resources are far greater than anything you could ever provide for yourself? See, we think money is a, a comfort issue. But for God, it's a, it's a character issue. And so God wants us to keep focused on the things that, that really matter. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 12. 
Luke 12, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can uh, follow along on the side screens or on the app. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one after service. If you just go um, back to Next Steps, we will give you one today, and we'd love for you to have one. Um, Let me give you the background of this. In in chapter 11, Jesus was talking about justice, right? And and so he kind of had this little little conversation with the crowd. And, And then here in chapter 12... A man comes up to Jesus and he asks Jesus to intervene in this personal financial affair that's going on with, with, between him and, and his relatives. And Jesus doesn't say that this case is invalid in any way, but instead of answering the man's request for what he perceived to be financial injustice... Jesus actually points out the greedy motives of the man that's asking the question. And then he begins to shift the attention of the crowd. And he says, I I actually want to talk about this for a little bit because this is so, so important for us to understand. Jesus is going to go and challenge his priorities and and use this opportunity to talk to us about greed and worry in our lives. Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 13 says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? You see, Old Testament law covered most cases of of inheritance. but So the rules were pretty clear. Most of the time, it it was easy and they knew what to do. But sometimes there were situations arose where where there was an intervention that needed to happen and, and a decision that needed to be made. And so what they would do is they would typically go to a rabbi and ask the rabbi to make the decision, right, to, to settle the dispute. And so here's Jesus in that place, and Jesus decides not to intervene in this, but he uses the opportunity to teach the crowd. And he says this in verse 15. He said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Watch out, be on your guard. Jesus uses such strong warnings here, right? That that we obviously need to read this and, and we need to take this seriously. And then look what he goes on to say. This is what he warns us against, against all kinds of greed. There's no no greed that's acceptable, right? All kinds of greed. Jesus is very clear in this. And you think about the culture that we live in, right? Advertisers spend billions of dollars every single year to try and convince us of the things that we need in our lives that always have a limited time offer attached to them, right? You got to get this in 20 minutes or this deal will never be available again. And we have products in our lives, right, that, that will make us happier and products that will make us healthier and products that will make us look younger and, and products that will make us more comfortable. See, by nature, by nature, we're comfort seekers, aren't we? How many of you have ever heard of a product called a Snuggie? Have you heard of a Snuggie? How many of you own a Snuggie? Don't be ashamed if you own a Snuggie, right? Uh, this is like genius. Like whoever came up with that, how do you not get excited about a blanket with sleeves, right? I mean, this is, it's the 20th century, people. Like there's no reason at this point we should ever have to take the blanket off to reach for the remote or a bag of chips, right? This should, that should not happen in our culture, right? This is the greatest thing in the world. Comfort, functionality, all worked in together. It's a perfect example, right, for, for us of that we're just comfort-seeking people, if you're interested in buying a Snuggie, I, I can actually save you some money. If you just go get your bathrobe and turn it backwards, it's like a, it's like a redneck Snuggie right there. And it just saved you like 20 bucks. And, uh, and so that's, that's good. Um, Job, Job chapter 31, look what it says in verse 24. If I've put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I've rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had gained, then these also would be sins to be judged. For I would have been unfaithful 
to God on high. Hear me say this, okay? This is very important. God's not down on money. God's not down on wealth. He's not against us having possessions. That's not what, what this is talking about. What God is warning us against is how we view these things. It's how we appreciate these things. It's how we handle the things that have been given to us and provided in our lives. That's what Jesus is warning about. And so he goes on and he tells a story in verse 16, and it says this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I think the answer is obvious. It's gonna be some, some idiot relative, right? That's who's gonna end up getting all of your stuff when, when this, and look at verse 21. Jesus summarized and he says this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not rich toward God. So let me paraphrase this for a second. You will share your wealth. You will, right? It's just a matter of whether you're going to do it willingly or, or unwillingly. If you do it willingly, if you share what it is that God has given you with, with others, if you meet the needs of other people, right, you're gonna experience incredible joy in that and God is going to be pleased in that. That's what he's searching for. But if you don't, if we don't, if we store up stuff for ourselves, if we hold on to our possessions, if we only think about ourselves, if you go back into that story and read how many times it says I and me, right, as he's talking to himself, then guess what? One day you will die. You will take your last breath here and your stuff will be distributed. It will be shared. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of whether we do it willingly or we do it Unwillingly. See, here's the moral of the story. Fools spend all of their time storing up treasures for themselves and neglect to become rich toward God. But Jesus doesn't stop here. He doesn't stop here in this story. In fact, he turns to his followers and he begins to unpack this message even more. And this is key for us to understand. He's not talking to the crowd anymore. He's not talking to the fans that are standing on the sidelines. He turns to his disciples. He turns to his followers. He turns to you and I, and he unpacks this even more. He gets into even more detail about this. Verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who are you, who are sorry, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? See, we know this, worrying accomplishes nothing, right? It's wasted effort in our lives. It actually ends up costing us things. We've read the research, we've heard the stats. It can damage our health. It begins to consume our thoughts. It disrupts our productivity, right? It negatively affects our relationships. And worst of all, worst of all is it begins to erode our trust in God to be the source of provision in our life. And so Jesus teaches us here that we shouldn't depend on our resources for our life, but we should depend on God as the source for everything, trusting that he will meet our needs when we put his kingdom first. Look at what it says right here, verse 31. Jesus closes it out. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me make a few comments based on, on this passage, right? Money isn't the issue. It really isn't. When, when you look at this, money isn't, isn't the issue, but it, it matters. And it matters because it's, it's one of the pathways to our heart. And that's why Jesus talks about it so much. Jesus said, if we think first about the kingdom, if we put God and his ways first in our lives, that he promises to provide everything that we will need. That's why this is a worship issue. That's why it's a, it's a trust issue for us. See, and the question that it leads for each of us to ask ourselves is who or what has my heart? Who or what is most important to me? See, Jesus isn't telling his followers to sell all that we have. It's very clear that we understand this. But to sell what we can so that we can give to others, so that we can meet the needs of people around us. That's what God is calling us to. Is it possible? Is it possible that God wants us to have more than we actually need so that we can give it away? Is it possible that, that God wants to meet the needs of people through you and, and through me, through our generosity? You see, it's when we give generously, when we learn this practice, we begin to experience joy in so many areas of our lives. Let me give you three truths about money and possessions. Here's the first one. Everything is God's. Everything is God's. Psalm 24, one says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. This is such a, a powerful, powerful truth for us because it releases us from the pressures and the stresses and the worries of, of money. When we remember that everything is God's and we choose to trust that God loves to give to us, when we put our priorities right and, and put God's kingdom first, then God promises that he will always care for us, that he will always provide our needs. And that leaves us in a place where we can be free to offer whatever it is that we need to offer to meet the needs of people around us as God leads us. Randy Alcorn wrote this in, in his fantastic little book, the, the Treasure Principle. And he said, a steward manages assets for his owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets, then carry out his will. See, when we begin to think like owners of our money, owners of our stuff, that should shoot a red flag off in our, in our brains, right? Because it's not ours. It's not ours. We don't own it. We're simply investment managers. We're looking for opportunities to invest what God has given us to meet the needs of people around us. Here's the second truth. The second truth is this. God calls us to radical generosity, that's what God calls us to, to live out. One of the questions that we get here at Hope is, is in, are we supposed to tithe in the New Testament? Is tithing in the New Testament? And let me, quote, let me quote Mike on you because he said this in a message about a year ago and he said this, you don't really wanna know about New Testament giving. New Testament giving makes tithing look like nothing, right? Think about it. Think about it. every time Jesus dealt with the Old Testament law, did he dumb it down or did he raise the standard? Every single time he raised the standard, right? The law said, do not commit adultery. And, and Jesus said, yeah, that's good. L let me change that though. Let me raise the standard a little bit. Don't even lust after someone. If you lust, right? That is the same as committing adultery. 
Wow, raise the standard. The law said that do not commit murder. Jesus said, yeah, that's right, you shouldn't murder. But you know, let me raise the standard on that one too. Don't even hate. If you hate, if you have anger in your heart towards someone, in my mind, that's the same as murder. Jesus raises that standard. In the New Testament, we are called to be radically generous with what God has given us. If you read the book of Acts, you look at the early church time and time and time again, they are selling what they have to meet the needs of people around them. If you want some fun reading, you can read about Ananias and and Sapphira. Um, Their greed got them dead, right? And so this is serious, serious stuff as as we go through this. Here's what radical generosity looks like, right? Let me just paint a picture because I I just think this is such a cool story. You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? In case you've never heard this story, Jesus is, there's this large crowd and Jesus is teaching them and it says that there are 5,000 men. We have no idea how many women and children are there as well. So this is a large, large crowd of people. And Jesus has been teaching them all day and it says that they're tired and they're hungry and the disciples kind of come up to Jesus and say, hey, we should probably feed them. And Jesus goes, yeah, it's a great idea. What have you got? And they're like, we, we don't have anything. He's like, okay, well, go, go look. And the hero of this story is a little boy who gives his lunch and Jesus does this miracle and feeds everybody with this boy's little lunch. But There's a few notes from this little boy that I think are are so important for us to understand. This is what radical generosity looks like. The first is this, he gave what he had. He simply gave what he had. He didn't have much, right? But, But he gave what he had. And I think this is so important for us to understand. Never underestimate what God can do through ordinary people and limited resources that are given to him in faith. God can turn a little into enough every single time. If you wanna be used by God, just be available. Here's the second, the second thing we see in this little boy is that he gave God all he had. If it was me, right, I'm probably like holding on to one of those, those breads and, and fish. I'm probably making a little sandwich or something and put it in my, in my pocket and then going, yeah, here's, here's the rest of my lunch. You guys can, can share this, right? But my mom gave me this. I'm gonna hold on to it a little bit for myself. That's not what he did. He didn't hold anything back from God. And if you want a miracle in your life to happen, you can't hold anything back from God. And here's the third thing is he gave it immediately when it was asked for. The boy didn't hesitate at all. When as soon as Jesus needed it, the boy gave it to him. That's what radical generosity looks like. You see, I think sometimes in our lives what happens is that we don't don't believe that God will care for our needs the way that we can care for our needs. And so it keeps us from giving generously. Or sometimes we just think, well, what's the use, right? How can my little bit really make a difference, right? I don't have much to give. Is this really going to change anything, right? I don't even know that it's worth it. And it keeps us from giving generously. The important thing from what Jesus is telling us here is that it's about our hearts, right? And it's this this mindset and this attitude of giving generously. Ephesians 4.28 says this, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. See, Paul's telling us that he's telling these new believers, this new church, right? He's he's telling them how to follow Jesus. And he said, guys, here's the deal. Before Jesus, you used to steal, right? That's what you did. You shouldn't do that anymore, right? We're gonna need to stop the stealing thing. That's that's the old you. Now, Now, because of Jesus, you need to go get a job and you need to earn some money so that you can buy a beach home. That's not what he says, right? He says, you need to get a job so you can earn some money so you can replace your old clothes with some new fresh threads. That's what needs to happen. That's not what Paul says either. And it's not that any of those things are wrong. That's not what Paul's saying. He just says, here's what the priority is. Go get a job, earn money so that you have something to share 
with others. See, Paul says that we earn to give. This isn't just a checkbox kind of thing. This isn't a one and done. I wrote a check. I did my giving part. I'm off the hook, right? The rest is mine to, to kind of deal with. This is a lifestyle thing that God is calling us to. We're still in our unleashed initiative. And that's a, an initiative that we're using to meet the needs of people in our community and around the world. When unleashed ends, our generosity doesn't end. Right? As followers of Jesus, this is how we are called to live. Let me give you, ask you two questions. One, are you furthering God's kingdom with your money? Are you using what God has given you to further his kingdom? Here's the second. Are you helping others with your money? Are you showing generosity to people in need? Because this is what radical generosity looks like, is that we're willing to give what really isn't ours. It's God's to begin with anyways. I was at a, a conference the last couple days, and um, And a pastor in Chicago made this statement and I added it to my notes because it is so powerful. It said this, God only treasures one thing in the cosmos, people, right? You think about all of the things that, that we know about, that we understand, that we can see and all of the things that we can't even see and that we don't even know about. Everything that God created and is in charge of and is running and operating and managing, the one thing that matters more to him than any of that is people. And if people matter to God that much, then they have to matter to us as well. Here's the third thing. Giving breaks the grip of greed in our lives. Giving breaks the grip of greed. Giving is not God's way of raising money. God's got enough money, right? That's not it. God calls us to give. Giving is his way of raising his children. That's why God calls us to give. It's to grow us. It's a character thing. If you've never given to God before, here's, here, just hear my heart. Just start. Just start. It, it's, it's between you and God. It's a heart thing. It's not an amount thing. And we can help in any way we would love to. We've got classes that we'll be starting up in the fall. Uh, we've got financial counselors that will help you if there's some issues in your life on your financial side that you just need to kind of get in order. We would love to help you with that. For those of you that are, are a regular giver, Let me challenge you with this. Will you spend some time this week? Will you evaluate and will you pray and will you just seek after God? God, what is it that you want me to do? Maybe it's just keep doing what you're doing. Maybe it's changing some things up. Maybe it's giving more in an area. I don't know. It's between you and God. But I know that we can never outgive God. See, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of this church. Because every ministry that happens here, every person that gives their lives to Christ, every child and student that is growing in their faith, every campus that meets around the triangle with more to come in the next few years, that our campus in Haiti, efforts that are happening around the world to change people's lives, all of those things happen because of you and your generosity and the generosity of this incredible church. See, here's the choice, though. The choice that we have is this. We can either settle for what we've done and we can go, wow, we, we did a lot of great things. Or we can trust that God wants to do so much more in our lives. You see, money, we think it's a comfort issue. It's not. It's a, it's a character issue that God wants to do in our lives. So let me give you, a, let me give you a, our challenge. Each week in this series, we've had kind of a challenge for you to do. And, and I'm so excited about this one. Because uh, we have an opportunity right now to impact some families right here in the triangle uh, through Hope on the Homefront, which is one of our local Hope Ministries. Hope on the Homefront is a group of volunteers that use their skills and their gifts to meet the physical needs of people by working on their homes and giving them a safe and, and great place to live. 
And we have some opportunities to help multiple families. In fact, several opportunities uh, available to us. And let me just give you two of them, the two biggest ones. The, the first is this, it's Miss Betty's house. Miss Betty is a longtime resident of Southeast Raleigh. She's now elderly and cannot work, but devotes her time with the Passage Home, helping young people in, their neighbor, in her neighborhood, as well as volunteering with various youth programs. The community loves her and she loves her community. She devotes her time with several local churches surrounding her home while sharing the love of Christ to young kids in the neighborhood. Catch this. Her home was broken into a year ago. And while most of us would have feared the intruder, Miss Betty talked to the burglar who then left her home. How crazy is that? However, the break-in caused damage to her home. And throughout the years, her home has fallen on hard times. And she has not been able to financially or physically keep up with it. Here's what our goal is. Here's what we want to do for Miss Betty. We want to paint the inside and the outside of her home. We want to put a new roof on it because she's got several leaks that are happening. We want to replace a couple of doors, some, out, some exterior and some interior doors. We want to provide new carpet for her. She has two bathrooms that need some repairs, uh, miscellaneous cleaning and some TLC on the front yard. We're looking for 100 volunteers to step up. And if we get 100 volunteers, guess what? Not only are we gonna be able to do these things to Miss Betty's home, but we're actually gonna take care of the yards of several of her neighbors as well. We have the opportunity to impact an entire block in Southeast Raleigh and to show them the love of Jesus. And the really cool part is that, that this is a family-friendly event. You, from five and up, you can serve as, a, as an individual, you can go as a small group, you can serve together as a family. This project begins uh, on August 17th and, uh, and, and will run through August 27th. Let me give you the second project. It's Rebecca. Rebecca is a, a Hope member and she lives in Cary. She's lived here for nine years and is a member of our church. She's uh, volunteered in several different ministries here at Hope and she now suffers from MS and various other debilitating medical issues which has prevented her from working. And because of Rebecca's physical limitations and her lack of income, her house has fallen on hard times. She's very limited with her ability to stand and so she's not able to care for her home the way she would like to. Her house is 42 years old and uh, throughout the years it has suffered from some major water damage. And so here's our, our goal for Rebecca's home. We're gonna replace the siding on the entire house. We're gonna paint inside and out. We're gonna do some miscellaneous cleaning and some general landscaping and, and TLC in the yard. We're looking for 50 more volunteers to step up and meet those needs, right? Again, family friendly, five and up. Whatever your skill set is, right? You can bring your, your contracting skills or your electrical skills or plumbing skills. If you can just come and pull weeds or, or help us paint something or, or move things, right? Whatever your skill set is, there's a place where we can use you. This project begins in, in October, or sorry, August 20th, August 20th. Both of these are happening just in, in the next couple of weeks. Here's what we want to ask you to do. Would you consider giving generously today to help us. See, in response to these opportunities to, to love these families in our community through our campuses, we want to raise this weekend $60,000 that will cover these two projects and, and some other ones with anything above and beyond going back into Unleashed so that we can continue to meet the needs of people right here in the triangle. And so on our way out, we don't normally do this as a church, but on our way out, our, our greeters are gonna be at the doors with buckets. This isn't a guilt thing, guys. This is just as a, if God's leading and stirring in your heart to be a part of this, we're gonna, they're gonna collect cash and, and checks on the way out. 
For some of you are like, Donnie, I, I had no idea we were gonna do this today. I, I didn't bring enough cash. I didn't bring my checkbook with me. You can go online as well if you can't give today. You can go online this week and just in the memo line, uh, just put hope on the home front or, or local hope or house or whatever you wanna put there. We'll know what that means and, and we'll get it there. Right, this is an incredible opportunity, but not only for us to give generously, but for us to serve selflessly as well, for us to step into those needs and, and to physically impact the lives of people in our community. See, let, let me just clarify. I wanna be real clear with this. This is a great opportunity for us to give and a great opportunity for us to serve, but we've gotta make sure that we fight the temptation in this to say, oh, I, I did my part. I wrote a check I showed up for a couple hours and I, yeah, to check that off. I did it, I'm good, right? Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great start. That's what fans do though, right? Fans just kind of throw in the, the minimal and they do a little bit. What we're talking about throughout this entire series is lifestyle stuff. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. We give generously. We share willingly. We serve selflessly. We live obediently. We connect intentionally. We do these things all the time. See, that's what God has called our church to do. It's who we are. And it is why he has blessed this church the way that he has over the years. But it's how God has called us to live as well. And the choice for each of us is how we're going to respond to that. Let me give you one last challenge. And this is actually a challenge from from Mike. It's from a message that he did recently. And let me just share this with you because I think this is so powerful. Let's rise to a level of commitment like no church in America has ever risen to. Let's be biblical and obedient to God and let's give generously to the opportunities that God has given us here. And with this, here's what we believe we'll experience. That as we show God that we are trustworthy with what it is that he has given us, that he is going to give us many, many, many more opportunities for us to love people where they are, and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus and to reach the triangle and change the world. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for incredible gifts in our lives. And so God, my only ask is that will you help us to be generous people? God, will you do whatever it is that you need to do in each one of our hearts? Father, this is a, it's a personal thing. It's a, it's a corporate thing because we all have to, this impacts all of us. Father, it impacts the people around us in our community, but God, it starts, it starts in our hearts. It starts with a conversation between, between us and you. God, help us to give generously. Help us to, to view our money and our possessions the way you have taught us to. It's not about collecting for ourselves. It's not about just taking care of our needs. But God, you have gifted us and given to us so that we can give to others and meet the needs of others. And so, Father, will you help us to live that way? Will you help us to put into practice the the five marks that we've talked about in this series? God, help us to be incredible followers of you so that we get that gold medal, we get that, that, that place on the podium where we stand in front of you one day and we hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servants. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your incredible love for us. And it's in your name we pray, amen. 